This is Jordan D. White here on Cast and Wax, and you are listening to the only podcast of Waxwork.com. That's right, the only one. All of those other imitators are un-American. Right behind me, you hear Waxwork Theme D, which is my favorite Waxwork theme of all time. Yes, that's right, of all time. It's also probably the last new one you're going to hear for a little while. Why? Well, because there aren't any more except the Christmas one, and it's not Christmas time yet. So, I don't want to use it yet. Pretty exciting stuff, just like this show, which has lots of wonderful radio serials for your listening pleasure. That's right, radio serials just like the old-timey days of the old-timey radio. Uh, Jordan, are you going to do the whole show like that? Or? No, I won't do the whole show this way, can but... You, well, then, can you stop? Please? No, I thought it's, it's actually... I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was... Because, you know, the, the background music and... No. No. All right. Well, uh, okay, I'm going to get straight to the, uh, the introductions then. My name is Jordan e. White, as I said when I was doing that other voice. These gentlemen are other people besides me. For example, this is Frank Allen, who uh, told me I shouldn't do the voice. Well, yeah, no, look, it's just it's just that it's not uh, it's not your normal voice. People are going to get confused. They're going to think, who's this this, this old-timey radio guy, when they, they should be hearing you. Uh, I guess. But All right, Frank Allen, and tell us a bit about yourself, Frank. You have anything interesting to say this week? No. I mean, again, I've got no contribution to the show, but... I'm, look, I, I know, Frank, I know, but I'll get, I'll let you have your, you'll do an interview next week. All right, good. Because I, I already have one lined up, so. <laughs> so you're that confident. Well, I, it's, it's only fair. Look, I have, it's a, everybody else has a weekly segment. Well, Scape doesn't have a weekly segment. We're talking about the fact that my cat, Scape, did an interview last week instead of Frank's interview, and he's going to do one this week. And Scape doesn't have any segment if he doesn't get to do this. Yeah, that's not fair. And that's Scape right there. Yeah, I'm Scape. I get to do an interview this week, and it's super good, so. You get to hear it, and you all understand why I should get one every week. Well, Scape, I mean, I have to give Frank back his show, but... Yeah, that's... I mean, I'll, I'll try to think of other things that are interesting for you to do. Fine, but you better. I, I'll, I will, I will. Lastly, we have Mr. Uh, Rory Sinjin, who is the, the other host of the show. Rory, do you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Uh, I hope that everyone's doing well. Well, I, how are you doing, Rory? That's the most important question. Well, you know... It... <sighs> This and that, you know. Uh, I mean, basically, I have some good news and I have other less good news, which is the good news is that um, the civil suit was dropped because basically, uh, you know, the lawyer said there's pretty much no way you're going to win to my former client. For those of you who uh, don't know, actually, I should I should explain. Rory is being sued. Rory is an extra historian. Which but it means I look into other realities and, you know, see what happens in other realities and talk to people about Well, that's them. not even... You don't even believe... Uh, look, okay, the point is... Using this other reality study that he does, um, he was going to use it to become a professional alibi giver, basically, hired by people accused of crimes to say that they weren't where they were, you know what I'm saying, by looking at other realities. Long story short, it didn't fly. He's got two lawsuits. So the civil suit, which was your former client suing you, dismissed? Yeah, well, no, I mean, they dropped it, is what happened, because they, they knew that they, they weren't going to win. The lawyers basically said, no, look, realistically speaking, you, they have proof that you knew what you were getting into, there's signed contracts, etc., etc., you know, there's there's no way you're going to win. So, I, I did, um, I, I don't have to worry about that anymore, which is good. On the other hand, uh, the criminal suit is still going forward, and I'm I'm getting a little scared. We are we are going to be uh, going to court next week. We had a, we had a bail hearing, and I, um, I did get out on bail, uh, you know, so my lawyer motioned to have the whole thing thrown out. It didn't work. Um, but I did get out on bail, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens next week. Uh, hopefully, uh, things will go better. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that, Rory. And, Frank, you look like you're going to turn red. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I'm fine. Are you sure? Because you look like you're going to burst any second. Mm-mm. 
Nope. All right, good. Um, you know, I hope for your sake you never have legal troubles, because if you do, I will take the opportunity to kick you like the dog that you are <laughs> while you're down. You know, you, no. You're just completely okay. disrespectful. Uh, no. All right, it's fine. Uh, I'm sorry, Roy, and I hope that you don't go to jail, but... You know, on the other hand, you know, it seems like plenty of times unfair things happen, so there's a good chance that you'll you'll be acquitted. Well, thank you. I, wait, no. What, what, no what, what are you saying? Um, no, I, I, said, I said there's a good chance you'll get acquitted, so it's, I hope that for your sake. Yes, but you said it was unfair. Well, no, look. You know. All right, well, let's get right into the uh, the show tonight, because we actually have a lot of, uh, we've got a ton of mail this week, so I want to get right into everything else so that we can get to the mail at the end and maybe have time for maybe more than three letters. Let's see. Up first, we've got guard duty. Now, if you remember, we've been hearing a couple episodes in which the villains have overtaken the guard tower. In the last episode, Suspiria, Gas Mask, Dragon Drop, and um, I think Lady Luna showed up right at the end. They uh, they had been defeating the Earth Guard as they came into the, gu- the Guard Tower one at a time, and at the very end, Suspiria pronounced them the Vengeance Squad. So now the Vengeance Squad continues on their way uh, in this week's episode. Let's see what happens. The Earth Guard. The planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of guard duty. This week, the Vengeance Squad in Vengeance is Mired. can you listen to that? It's music to my ears. The most beautiful sound I've ever heard. A song that's been running through my head since I first met the bastards. Well, it gives me a headache. That's why I tend to knock them out. Oh, you want me to rub your head? No thanks. I'd have to take off my mask. So, we're all friends here. I don't take off my mask. But you're such a cutie under- Just drop it! Please. Fine, Mr. Sensitive. So, where are the others? Checking out the trophy room. You know they actually have one of the Holy Roman's crucifiers here? If we could get security off it, we could put that thing to good use. Oh, that would be fun. They're working on it. Not sure if they can get it out. But listen, one thing. The Vengeance Squad? I told you that's our name. But it sounds so... Let it go. How about the Backlash Pack? Or the Mirth Guard? You think those are better? Or anything. Uh, The Revengers. No, this is my team, and I'll name it whatever I want. Your team? Really? Because I remember being here before you, and it was my idea to lay here and wait for the Guard. You're already on another team. You can't have both. This one is mine. I'm clearly the best leader here. Excuse me. I am a queen. I've led the armies of the Moon Children for years. Oh, please, those Moon 
things barely even have brains. You think that makes them easier to lead? I really have to spell things out for them to be able to do anything right. So leading a bunch of retarded kindergartners makes you the best choice to lead us? Well, if the IQ fits. Hey! You might be able to talk to Dragon Drop that way, but the rest of us... What? Hey, shut the hell up, gas hat! Was that even supposed to be remotely witty? Alright, enough! <coughs> this is ridiculous! Shut up and listen to me! We need to work together without killing one another. We've got half the Earth Guard captured here. Do you want to bicker about the name of our temporary alliance and who our official treasurer is? Or do you want to capture the other four members? Because I don't know about you, but personally, I won't be satisfied until I hear every single one of them scream with pleasure after I finally give in to their begging for death and slit their damned throats. Now, are you with me? <gasps> you know, there's something very wrong with your brain. But I'm with you. Yeah, I'm in. You can do what you will to the Earth Guard. I don't care. Just leave the moon to me and mine. What is your deal with the moon? It's just the moon, for Christ's sake. It's my home. My kingdom. And all my moon children, well, they need me. You should see what they do when I leave them alone. By now, they've probably broken half the dishes in the kingdom. Oh, I can just see them rubbing up against my castle door, wondering why I won't let them inside. And you want us to count these things as people? What? How dare you speak that way about my children? That's the teleporter. Get ready. I'm sorry if they're not on the internet. Consuming enough for you to count them as people, but not everyone is a- Luna! We don't have the time for this right now. We've got to pretend to be- Oh, uh... Hi there, everyone. Is there a meeting or- No, not at all. We're just all relaxing and... Enjoying the company of- Enjoying the capture of these awful villains here. Right, guys? Absolute tootly. Yep, that's us. Heroes all. All right. Well, I've just come up to make a few adjustments to the brain frame. I've been overhauling the system, updating the interfaces. Should be much smoother. Excellent. Yes. Good idea. Will it take long? Nothing's ever fast enough for you, eh? It should just be a moment. In fact, there. That's all I need to do from up here. I'll finish the rest back at stand. The brain frame should be fully functional in about 20 minutes. Oh, good. I guess I'll be going then. You look very pretty today, Peas Blossom. Oh, thanks. You're wearing your old costume again. It's very flattering. Yeah, I felt like it. Yes. Well, so long then. Have a good afternoon. You too. What was that all about? What was what all about? Why did we just let him go? You're our self-proclaimed leader. Why didn't we pounce on the bastard? And why did I have to be the gay-ass fairy girl? It's Broadbent. He's a robot. A robot who we just let vaults out of here! You would have preferred we lock him in a cell? Then he wouldn't be getting in our way. And what would stop him from sending up his next Broadbent model after this one? Still don't see why I had to be the fairy. Because you're a fag! You want me to show you? You want me to prove it to you right here, right now? Why don't you just step away from the lady? You keep out of this. I don't think I will. You take on one of the... Vengeance Squad. You take on us all! I started the goddamn Vengeance Squad! 
You people are worse than the moon children. I'm taking the moon back to Mars. Now hang on a minute. That's not part of the deal. You said you'd leave the moon to me and my followers. Yeah, but you didn't say you'd be taking it away. They need the moon here. It maintains the tides. We would be in total ecological disaster without it. We of the moon care not for your Earth and life. Who's going to stop me once the Earth Guard is gone? You? Well, damn well try, sister. Are you declaring war on the moon? I'll tear the thing apart before I let you leave with it. That's not going to do anyone any good! People, we're doing it again. We have to- What the hell is that?! Justin, we take you now live to Washington, D.C., where the mollusk appears to be leading an army of heavily armed blue-green fishmen onto the shore. Estimates put their numbers in the thousands, and they are pouring out of Chesapeake Bay and into the District of Columbia and the surrounding area. No sign of the Earth Guard yet, but the disgraced hero Ocean Man is already on the scene. No word yet if the former Guard member is there to stop the invasion, or has somehow changed allegiances to... Uh, no, I'm sorry, wait, this just in. Ocean Man appears to be confronting the mollusk taking on as much of the Atlantean fleet as he can by himself. It's an emergency. I don't know how much one man can do against I guess an invasion force like this, waiting but he for. does appear to be trying. So, uh, uh, what are we supposed to do? In, so we'll switch to that. Um, Laugh? Okay, you can see here the Atlanteans uh, coming up the shore. damage. Guard Duty by Jordan D. White With Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator Angela Tymon as Peas Blossom Lynn Nelson as Binary Girl Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast Jordan D. White as The Jack Elijah Weberhan as Mr. Fahrenheit Derek McNish as Broadband Daniel Schwartz as Dragon Drop. Ava Rosenblatt as Suspiria. Brian LaRanger as Gas Mask. Kate Slutwinski as Lady Luna. And Frank Allen as the Newscaster. With theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. Welcome back. We're continuing our coverage of the attack on Washington, D.C. by the Mollusk's troops. And um, unfortunately, we don't really have any more new news uh, about it. Uh, Ocean Man is still fighting against them. And as far as we can tell, he's losing very badly at this point. Uh, it does look like it is very likely that Washington, D.C. will be overrun by the Mollusk's people. For more on this issue, we do have uh, Jordan D. White, the host of Cast and Wax. What do you think, Jordan? Well, I think that you'll find out what happens with this uh, attack on Washington in the next episode of Guard Duty, as well as what happens with the whole Vengeance Squad thing as the next episode of Guard Duty is the end of Season 2 of Guard Duty. Will that be on next week's episode? No, unfortunately it won't. Uh, it will be on in two weeks from now, uh, but it's going to be very informative. Until then, we'll just have to sit on pins and needles wondering what happens to Washington, D.C. It's very unfortunate. That's very unfortunate. Oh, I'm just getting this in right now. Uh, looks like uh, Rory Sinjin is out in the field, and he does have a report on this day in history. Uh, let's go live to him now. Hello, my name is Roy Sinjin, and this is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. On August 18, 1590, John White, the governor of the Roanoke Island colony in present-day North Carolina, returns from a supply trip to England to find no trace of the 100 or so colonists he left behind, and no sign of violence. The only clue to their mysterious disappearance was the word Croatoan carved into the palisade. Well, goodbye, John. Susan. 
I think we've been terrible parents to young Horace, and I think I know what we should do for the children of this village. What's that, darling? Since we've been failing in our role as progenitors in the family, we should all just leave. They won't have us terrible parents around anymore. The children of the village will be on their own. You're right. I think that's the only way. I hope they understand that it's for their own good. I'm sure they will. Come, let us wander into the woodland and die. I love death. I am a small child. Hey, everybody. There's no parents around. Now we can play knife tag. Ah! Knife tag's my favorite game. Next, let's play Cinderball. Yay! Wow! Now we can play toddler ball! Oh, best kind! It's like children of the corn. Well, I'm back. Where'd everybody go? But silence was the only reply, as everyone was uh, mysteriously gone and dead. Uh, we did so solve the mystery now, which is very good for history. Um, the answer is, the colony of Roanoke would have still been around if only the parents, rather than abandoning their posts, had created a loving and safe environment for their children and supported them throughout their growing years, instead of letting them kill one another in a horrible display of violence. I think you can learn a lesson from that, and I don't even think I need to tell you what it is, because you heard it just a second ago. This is This Day in History on WHRW Bington. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater yet. My name is Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Guess and Wax. And I've got some more to tell you about that. See, those parents were actually failures in just about every way possible. Because the fact is, even before they abandoned their children, they were not creating a safe and loving environment for them. For example, they would sometimes say, Hey children, who would like to smash their heads against this tree? And all the children would go, I would, I would, I would, I would, I would. And they'd all smash their heads against the tree, and they would all get, like, brained, and some of them would die, but only if a couple of them would die, because then the other ones would go, Maybe I wouldn't like to smash my head against the tree as much as I thought, father. You know, and all sorts of things like that. They'd, they'd say, uh, I have a knife to pass to you. Let me just toss it over there. And they would, you know, chunk right into the child. And, you know, dead. Dead child. That's not a safe environment. Perhaps they loved them. I mean, perhaps. But it was not a safe environment. And the same goes true for the other side. Because there, in fact, were some parents in the area who had a very safe environment for their children. But they'd say, I'm not going to let you get hurt. But I do hate you, you piece of crap. And I wish I never had you, you accursed child. So that's not a loving environment. It has to be both safe and loving. So the ideal parent would be someone who'd say, Child, you should not smash your head against that tree. Because I love you and I'd hate for anything bad to happen to you. And I think everybody should take it home with them. And, and take it into their life. This is Roy Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Why, thank you for that, Rory. We do appreciate it. Thank you as well. Um, you know, I do like doing my, my historical readings. They are pretty much the only thing that keeps my mind off my troubles these days. But I, I wanted to know, what what was that bit earlier about uh, with Frank Allen being a newsman? Oh, that was just us having some fun with the whole thing. Because he he was the newsman on guard duty. So we just figured, oh, you know, let's extend that reality out into the show. Oh, I mean, do, do you want to keep going? For Frank, should we keep going? No. Besides, I, I, as a, as a newsman, I wouldn't be able to comment on the this day in history and say that, uh, again, it's a bunch of lies, bogusness. We, we don't know what happened to the, uh, Roanoke colony exactly, but we're pretty confident that the parents didn't just run off and abandon their children to slaughter each other because we didn't find slaughtered children there. So it's, it's much more likely that they went off and joined a, a Native American tribe and, and ended up becoming part of that. There's evidence that suggests well, that. Yes, I, of course, I know that. I'm a historian. In addition to being an extra historian, I'm an historian as well. So I know the actual history, but this is extra history. This is outside of our universe. This is another world. And in that world, when they got back, they found all the slaughtered children all around. And um, you might not have noticed, but the guy who came back and found all the children there, uh, found the place uh, abandoned, that was Richard Nixon. That's how different that world was. Well, you know, actually, you know, it did sort of sound like Nixon from earlier Nixon episodes of the show. So that's interesting. But it's also still not true. I mean, Nixon, how could Nixon have been involved in the Roanoke colony? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't flow 
I mean, he was born a lot later. Well, maybe it's related to there's a Marvel comic called 1602, where all the Marvel characters, instead of having their origins in the 1960s, they have their origins in the 1600s. So maybe it's like that. Maybe instead of Nixon having his origin in the in the 60s, it happened. No, Nixon wasn't. It's not like Nixon was bitten by a radioactive politician. This isn't this isn't that kind of thing. He he's he's just a guy. He doesn't have an origin. Perhaps on this world he does. Maybe on that world he was bitten by a radioactive politician. This is this is moronic. I'm going to go to Tractor Fiction. Speaking of things that are not true, here's an episode of Tractor Fiction. You can't control. Wait, Frank, you can't control the show. Well, I'm going to watch uh, starting now. It didn't work because I control the show. Okay, can you? Well, then can you start it now? Yeah, I can start it now. Listening to WHRW Binghamton, this is Frank Allen, and we are about to do an amazing part of the show we like to call Tract or Fiction. Tract or Fiction, of course, and we act out the works of Jack Chick for the radio and then debate them. Uh, I want to get right into it because, like, like Jordan said earlier, we have an action-packed show, lots of stuff going on, so let's get right to it. This tract is called Flight 144. Ah, uh, so I take you now to the studio where the tract begins. Flight 144 sails over the ocean at an altitude of 5,000 feet. A woman sitting in coach casually glances over the window and becomes distressed. Oh no, excuse me, miss? Are we in trouble? The flight attendant leads over to the woman's window and glances out, seeing that the entire right engine of the plane is engulfed in Flame. She then lies through her teeth. Oh no, ma'am. Everything is under control. Did I say she? I meant he. Anyway, meanwhile in the cockpit. This is flight 144. One of our engines is dead. Now the other is on fire. Three hours earlier, the flight was boarding at Zambolo International Airport in the African nation of Zambolo. Crowds of people were gathered around the tarmac as the Davidsons, famous American missionaries, boarded the plane. They were on their way to America to raise funding to build another hospital in Zambolo. Why the big crowd? Some famous missionaries are flying to the States. The Reverend Davidson and his wife waved to the adoring crowd. We'll be back soon! We all all love you! We'll be praying for you! Thank you all so much! These are your seats, Reverend. Wow, they're sitting right next to me! Uh, Hi, I'm Ed. Delighted to meet you, Ed. You've been in Africa for 50 years? Yes, and with God's help, we've built five schools and four hospitals. One just for lepers. Plus, we fed and clothed thousands of dear natives. Tell us about yourself, Ed. I was a cook on a tanker, until I killed a guy in a drunken brawl. I just got out of jail last week. The only guy I led to the Lord was my cellmate. That's nothing compared to what you guys have done. I can't imagine how many crowns you two will get in heaven. Well, we have spent our entire lives living the golden rule and doing good works for God. Good works are fine, but how many sinners have been saved through your ministry? It must be thousands, right? No, Ed, you don't understand. God called us to help these dear people lead better lives. You mean you don't tell them how to get saved? Reverend Davidson, are you sure that you and your wife are ready to meet the Lord? At that very moment... Oh no, excuse me, miss. Are we in... Trouble? No, ma'am. Everything is under control. Attention. This is your captain speaking. Please fasten your seatbelts and prepare for an emergency landing. I lied. The Bible says that good works can't save anyone. The only work that mattered is what Jesus did for us on the cross. Why don't you two give your hearts to Jesus now? Just shut up! Can't you see we're going to crash? And crash it does! 
The plane smashes into the ocean in an explosion of water and fire. No one survives. The plane sinks to the bottom of the sea, where it is looked upon piteously by fish and is never seen by mortal man again. An angel comes to the plane and takes Ed by the hand. Where are we going? To your beautiful mansion in heaven. The angel soon returns for the Davidsons. It's time for your judgment. Now, my dear, we'll be rewarded for all our good works. The angel escorts the Davidsons right to the throne of God, where they stand beaming at his unknowable countenance. I never knew your children depart from me. Hold a minute. You've made a horrible mistake, Lord. Don't you know who we are? We sacrificed everything to serve people in your name. You're all-knowing. We suffered for 50 years in the remote jungles of Africa, far from our home and family. We were good people. We did everything we could to help those poor people in need. Our good works far exceeded any bad we did. Don't our good works count for anything? No, my child. Miss Cleo did all the work necessary for salvation when Miss Cleo died on the cross. Lord, we met many wonderful people of other religions who did good work in your name. What about all of them? In the Bible, Miss Cleo said, Miss Cleo is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the mother but by Miss Cleo. This is horrifying. You mean millions of people who are trusting in their good works are going to hell? Yes, that's true, my child. And here is why, Mom. Because of Adam and Eve's rebellion, sin entered into the world. For many years, people sacrificed animals to temporarily cover their sins. Then, to take care of the whole sin problem once and for all, I became woman and shed my precious blood to wash away your sins. Three days later, I rose from the dead and returned to heaven to sit next to my mother. My precious gift, eternal life, my child, was now available to all mankind. Those who place their trust in me, Miss Cleo, receive this gift. Those who trust their good works are lost. If good works could save you, do you think Miss Cleo would have suffered and died on the cross? Come on now, seriously, Mom. This isn't fair. We weren't told any of this. Sure you were, my child. It's all in the Bible, but you rejected my word and Miss Cleo. Take them away. God gave them a free tarot card reading. Then an angel grabbed the couple by the scruffs of their necks and tossed them both head first into the pit of eternal flame and suffering. Yes, that's right. Hell. Yeah! And I'm afraid that's the end of the tract. Um, so, okay, so, uh, that's the track flight, uh, 144, or something like that. So what we need to do is we need to have our debate, it's our traditional debate. Debater number one, can you please come in here from the seclusion suite? Debater number one? Debater, I'm sorry, debater number one is coming in right now. Hello? Y yes. Hello, yes. sir. Uh, may I ask who you are? Um, I am Christopher Cross. Chris, Christopher Cross? I'm, so I'm sorry, Christopher Cross? Uh, no relation. Oh, oh, okay, I thought... In fact, I have no relatives who are living. You have... It's oh, sad. that's... I'm sorry, that's unfortunate. I'm so very lonely. Debater number two? I, I'm the real Miss Cleo. Oh, the real Miss Cleo? Yes, this was just an actress playing me. Not the man. god, Miss Cleo. Why didn't, no. why didn't you actually play yourself? Because I'm busy, man. But you made it now. Yes. That's good of you. It's good of you to come. All right, now we got to find out who's for this tract and who's against it. Let me use my traditional coin flip. And the answer is, oh, Miss Cleo. Cleo, you think that this is 100% true, that you are God and etc. And all yeah, these things right. about the flight are all real. And uh, you, Christopher Cross, with no relatives, unfortunately, uh, do believe... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have brought it up. I'm sure I shouldn't have brought it up. I shouldn't have brought it up. That's callous. Uh, you are, in fact, uh, saying it's wrong. So, Chris, uh, uh, relative-less, family-less Chris. Can I call you family-less Chris? <laughs> I'm, oh gosh! I'm, elementary school. Oh gosh! Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Miss Cleo Man, knows. Miss Cleo knows all. All right. Well, well 
basically, this this tract is mostly balderdash. In fact, there really isn't so much of an argument as an anecdotal story about a man on a plane who wasn't saved. And in fact, the only arguments in this entire, entire tract is said by God in the end where he says that I tell you all of this in the Bible, where it's just not that way. It's not so much of a fact as an opinion piece, uh, more of an anecdotal story about a guy who's made up. No, and in fact, no. there's no substance to it at all. No, listen to Miss Cleo. No, this is true. Miss Cleo says it's in the Bible because Miss Cleo is God, and I am. And while... Listen to Miss Cleo. You need to leave this girl you're seeing, because she's only using you for your money, man. Wait a minute. I, I do have a lot of money, which I, I had large L- listen, listen to Miss Cleo. Insurance on my man. relatives before they were all killed. Cleo? <laughs> yes, my child. So you're actually God? Yes. Cool. Well, I was wondering, if you're actually God, like really and totally? Yes. Couldn't you give familyless Chris his family back? And then he'd stop arguing with you? I don't know this... if that's any reason why he'd be arguing with me now. This is an amazing point. God. Would, would you, God, give me my family back? Can I make a deal with you? God What's... makes deals? What's the deal? <laughs> Miss Cleo's very busy, God. And she'll bring back your second cousin on your mother's side. Is that fair? That's, that's it, though? That was my cousin Filbert. He was terribly mean to me. He broke every bone in my body at oh. least three times in a oh, row. That but he did it lovingly. explains your appearance. Miss Cleo, ex- tell you, man. It is for your own good your family be dead. Wait, wait, Miss oh. Cleo? <laughs> that Miss Cleo? That's harsh, right? Miss Cleo saved you from your family. Miss Cleo? I'll, I'll take As it says in the Bible, yes, Yo, my God. child. Hey, can I have a Ferrari? Yes. Okay, okay. cool. Rock! Dude, Miss Cleo, um, I, I have a question. Yep. You, uh, I didn't ask you. I asked Miss Cleo. I'm allowing you to talk. I'm the facilitator. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, li- listen to Miss Cleo. Um, you gave a tarot card reading to those poor damned fools before they, they went down in the pit. You might want to talk yeah, into the microphone. Is, that, um, that what, what, what would a tarot reading for someone who's going to be thrown into hell by the scruff of their necks in, like, two minutes, what might that look like? Probably the tower. Spite. Yeah. Pure, twice. unadulterated spite. Yes. What? Tower of the devil in reverse. What was that? Pure, spite. unadulterated spite, he said. Oh. Yeah. Um, Probably a lot now, of things to do with torture. Now, typically speaking, a lot. I mean, typically there's speaking, no like torture a lot of card times in a tarot deck. We ah, have an, the torture card. We have an, an oh, expert. When you're God, you right. have the torture card. When we, oh. my child, special, my special child. Dagger. A lot of times we bring in an expert, and sometimes we bring in uh, special, special experts. Right now, we're going to actually bring in one of those special, special experts. Uh, we actually have with us one of the characters from the track. Uh, the Miss Cleo from the tract, who I believe, I don't know, uh, has something to say to the quote-unquote real Miss Cleo. I don't know what you're talking about, man, but I am actually God. The no, point, listen child. to me, listen to me, my child. The point of the tract is not that Miss Cleo is God, but that God is Miss Cleo. There is a very big difference. I am God, who Ms. is Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo, I, I too I, am the God that is Miss Cleo. I, I no, have no, a no, question you are the Miss Cleo that is God. Oh, wait, hold on, Miss uh, Christopher, so Christopher Cross has a question for Miss Cleo. Um, in, in this tract, when the Which Miss Cleo are you talking to? The Miss uh, Cleo that is God or the God that is Miss Cleo? Um, I'd say the Miss Cleo that is Miss Cleo and God that is God. Maybe the one on the right? Either or. I am God, meanie, miney, miney. I'm God, Miss Cleo, by the way. It might be more relevant to the Miss Cleo who is God. That would be me. All right. Um, now, in this tract here, and, and the God who is Miss Cleo, you, you can also assist since it happened to you. You state that when God. the people come before you, that you say, I, I do not know you, and you're unbeknownst to me. Are you not an all-knowing God? How could these people come before you and you not know them unless 
Because you are not all-knowing. Yeah, man, it's a metaphor. Maybe, no, this maybe is the, she means in the biblical look, sense. Look, this is the point, <laughs> yeah. my child, is that if I am all-knowing and I don't know who they are, they the are nothing. And they must leave. Yeah. But you are all-powerful. That infers that something has created them that was not you. And that means that you are not omnipotent No, it just means either. it was an accident, man. There were scraps on the side that got baked into people. Miss Cleo, if you could do anything, could you make a tarot card that even you couldn't read? Of course not, man. Why would I do such a thing? Then you can't do it, and you're not all powerful. No, we could do it. We choose not to. I choose to, not to. But if you could do it, then you. Why could. would I listen to Miss Cleo? Not myself. Read. Listen to Miss Cleo's. Yes. Wait, is is that a curtain back there? Wait, it seems we've just been looking at holy Don't specters. Open the who, who is that behind the curtain? Don't I'm going. Open the curtain. Oh my! Oh my word! What is that? What what is that? Someone help me! I need an expert to tell me what it is. I think it's my Ferrari. Bye, everybody. What did you hit with your Ferrari? All right, all right. So, unfortunately, one of the Miss Cleos was apparently a Ferrari in disguise. That was the Miss Cleo. That was God. Wait, I thought... No, it's the God that was Miss Cleo. Because I'm Miss Cleo who am God. All right, I think somebody's driven somewhere between the moon and New York City. Let's let's decide... That's just me. Let's decide who's won this tract. Uh, You both did some really, really compelling arguments. Uh, I'll tell you what. If uh, if it's heads, then uh, Christopher Cross won. If it's tails, Miss Cleo won. And if it lands on its side, the other Miss Cleo one. Then we can we can hear women's uh, what everyone else is thinking if it lands child. on its side. Only me. Only I can. Oh, Christopher Cross, you're amazing. You have a future. Your family may be dead, but you won the, the debate. Oh, this is this is a great start. As long as I don't get hit by a car in the next five minutes, my life will go. Oh, oh it hurts. That was the only bone not broken in my body. And now I told you, Miss Cleo is right. Where is where is the oh, cross oh, child? Oh, where oh, is the cross child? I have just restored his family. The, the the real the real question is, did you accept Jesus? Miss uh, Cleo, Miss Cleo, have to accept Miss Cleo in this universe. Oh, it is uh, not obviously Miss Cleo who died Alack. on the cross for Alas. your sins, my child. I died. If I you rearrange the letters I... in Jesus, son, you get Miss Cleo. I completely accept Miss Cleo as my personal right. savior. So that's like that would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> well, that, that was Tractor Fiction for this week. <laughs> That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Rich Bellin, Lynn Nelson, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Samuel Thomason, Angela Tyman, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you, Rory. That was a that was a very goofy episode with the whole uh, Miss Cleo Becomes God thing. I mean, it ended up, obviously, the original track didn't have that in it. It was just the actual, the actual God, I almost said. It's the God that Jack Chick believes in is the one who says it all. But when, they, when we read it, they modified it a little bit. And it's sort of funny because it ends up being something that anyone who believes those tracks would think was bogus because it's all about Miss Cleo all of a sudden. But it's really the same exact thing. You know what I mean? It's like the same exact message just coming from a different person's mouth. It was, you know... It's not, that's not in the Bible. Miss Cleo is not actually in the Bible. In some worlds, in some Bibles. Oh, okay, uh, 
Come on. Oh, speaking of things that are great, though. Speaking of things that are great, like Tractor Fiction, uh, next week, I've got an incredible Frank Allen interview scheduled. So today, you're going to have to suffer through a, another Scape interview. But it's going to be the last one you ever have to listen now, to. No, Frank, okay, again, you're taking control of the show. I decide who's going to be doing the interviews and whether this is the last episode. I said you could have a Frank Allen interview next week, but that doesn't mean Scape won't be back. Yeah, that doesn't mean I won't be back. I can do an interview every day if I want. Well, that would be too many interviews, Scape, but you, I might ask you to do another interview someday. Yeah, yeah, Frank, Aaron. <laughs> well, maybe you can, but for now, it's back to me. Look, I've done a lot of these interviews. I've done like 15. You've done two. So, so far, I'm winning the interview race, and my interviews are better. I mean, let's. who did you interview this time? Uh, a guy. Okay. Well, hopefully you did a better job than last time, right? You didn't do another quiz show, did you? No, no. I did real interview questions. I did research, and I got good questions. So. Good, good. Excellent. Well, let's, let's listen to it. Here we go. This is a scapey interview. Here we are. Scapey Interviews! Starring Scape White. Uh, hello. My name is Scapey, and, um... This is my interview show. Uh, last time I interviewed a guy, but nobody liked it. So now I'm going to do different kind, and it's going to be better. So, uh, this time I'm interviewing a guy, uh, from the, the cat food place. Mr. Guy from Moist Food Place. Uh, hello, guy. Hello, hey. How are you? What, what's your name? What's your name? My name's Scape. Hi, Scape. Hello. What's your name? Hello. Hey, how are you? Hey. I'm good. Uh, tell, tell me about Moist Food, please. Oh, um, I work for, uh, for, uh, uh, cat food. It's, it's the best job in the world. I tell you, I, I love cats. I love cat food. It, it, it's really delightful. And the reason why it's good to be in this business, no regulations. Like, I used to work in the business, food for humans, all sorts of, uh, regulations, testers that have to inspect everything. Cat food, you can throw anything in there. Wow. Okay. Uh, do you have some cat food with you right now? Yeah. Yeah. Here's some. Right over here. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, good. Good. I'm glad you like it. Oh, that's really good. Um, let me ask you some more questions. Okay, that, yeah. Because that's what an interview is supposed to be. Um, how did you get involved in the cat food industry? Well, all you have to do is start working for somebody that sells cat food. Then you're done. So I applied for a job at the cat food company, and... I worked so hard that I got promoted again and again and again. And eventually, using some of my money to invest in the company, I rose to the top and I became its leader. That is very interesting. What kind of obstacles do you face in your field? Escape. I'll tell you the one, number one top obstacle I face in the cat food field, the goddamn government. And I'll tell you why. Because while we're, we're, we're a lot freer than I used to be with human food, but I'll tell you the thing about this country. It's full of goddamn laws, scape. 
And if you're not a cat like you are, you gotta follow them. Day after day after day, or they hound you. Unless you're clever. See what I mean? Only certain people care about these laws. So the number one obstacle I face is finding these people who care about, you know, what we're allowed to feed to our cats, we as cat owners, and what we're allowed to put in our cat food, we as cat food manufacturers, and the, the level of safety in the can, we as can distributors, and avoid these people like the plague, we as people avoiders, because if they find out that we're doing anything to obstruct their neat little plan where nobody's allowed to do anything that might benefit us or, hell, even them or maybe other people in the world, they will squash us like a bug. You understand that, Scape? I'll eat a bug. What would you say if somebody told you you weren't allowed to eat that bug? I would bite and kick, kick, kick. That's what we do, Scape. We bite and kick, kick, kick in the people way. In a secret way. Because they think they're getting what they want. But really, we're getting what we want. And we're giving you what you want. So you can have that bug. You can have a lot more, too. All the things that you ever felt like you just might want to eat, you can have. These other cat food companies are cowards. They're yellow bellies. They follow whatever rules people give them. We're smarter than that, Scape. That's our way of biting and kicking. Oh, okay. Um, I've got some more questions, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Many pet owners are very concerned with the matter of animal rights in our world today. How do you feel about the matter of animal rights in this world that we live in? I'll tell you what, Scape. We're all animals, and we've all got rights. And that means we've got rights over other animals. If you know what I mean. Um, I think. Glad to hear it, Scape. You've got, uh, what I'd like to call an animal instinct. An instinctive knowledge of the world that a lot of people I deal with don't have. To them, animal rights means people have to stay alive at all costs. Cost of the planet, cost to you, cost to me, cost to the, the pleasure of a lot of other people. You know what I mean? You ever hate anybody, Scape? I hate other cats. What kind of rights do they have, Scape? Right to get kicked. And what else? Bite. What happens if you keep kicking, Scape? What happens if you keep biting? They run away. What if they don't? What if you get them? Then I win. What do you win, Scape? What do you do to them? Kick and bite. Forever? Well, no, not forever. I would get tired. Scape, you see that bird out the window? Oh, yes. That bird have rights, Scape? No! What are you going to do to that bird, Scape? I'm going to eat him. What do you have to do first? Jump. That's right, Scape. God damn it, that's right. You gotta jump. We all want to eat that bird, Scape. But some of us are afraid to jump. Some of us just want to sit down, lie back, and wait for that bird to come to us. And if it doesn't, then, well, hell, you're gonna have to eat the dry food. Well, some of us won't settle for that, Scape. We're the kind of people that jump, and we eat the bird. And we bite and kick those other cats or people. We do the work for you. And if anybody tries to stop us, well, that's their problem. Oh, okay. Um, in today's competitive market, how do Competitive? Oh, yeah, I'll give you competitive, Scape. Let's say you got three cats, right? And there's a fight. And two of them are just sitting there and they don't care because somebody told them you can't fight. And one of them doesn't care. 
One of them says, I don't care if you say I can't fight. I'm going to fight till the day I croak. Who's going to win that fight, Scape? Which of those three cats? The one, the one who fights? That's a Scape. That's what we do. We fight while all the other goddamn people in this world, they sit back and listen to the rules. Well, those two other cats are dead, Scape. And the cat that fights is still alive. And that's me. It's other people out there, Scape. They follow the rules. They're dead. You're welcome. So you killed them, or...? Yeah. Or... I could kill if I was gonna, if I wanted. Sure you could. And why don't you? Uh, well, cause... Cause there's no... there's nobody here to kill. There's some people here, Scape. Look around. There's some people here. What, you? Well... I might kill you back. See, I'm bigger than you, Escape. I'm stronger. You gotta know who's bigger, who's stronger, who you can kill. There's weak people out there, Escape. Some people call them cripples. Other people call them victims. There's leeches in the world, Escape. Don't do anybody any good. We can find a way to make them do people good. We gotta find out who's important, who's strong. And that's how we gotta make our decisions. Every one of us. Okay, um... One last question. In closing, what type of changes do you see coming in the cat food industry due to the computer revolution? I'll tell you what changes I see. You ever see someone sitting at a computer? Sitting there, lying back, lollygagging, eyes fixed on a little screen. Yeah. Good, well, so have I. Those people out there, killing the prey, are they? No, they're sitting back. They're waiting for things to happen. People buy into this computer revolution. They're going to become the prey. And, uh, I'm going to be so much the better for it, and so are you, Scape. Why? Because cause they're, they're delicious. What do you mean? Because, like, you get to eat them. I do? Yeah, because they're, 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 they're the prey. They're dead. You mean like a metaphor? No, no, they're dead. So you get to eat them in... The cat food. Oh, 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 oh. So you, you put them in the cat food? The people, yeah. Okay, okay. And other stuff, like uh, like birds. I like birds. Yeah. Yeah. Bugs. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, I like to eat stuff, so that's good. Yeah, I like to eat stuff, too. Cool. Well, I, f- I think this has been a very informative interview. Thank you very much, uh, guy from Cat Food Place. Anytime, Scapey. Good cat. Go out and kill him, Scape. Okay. Now it's a Scapey interview. Um, from Scapey. And, um, this one was uh, pretty good because I got free moist food. <laughs> uh, oh. Uh, wow. Scape, that's... That's crazy. How good my interview was? No, what the, the guy... He says he... That guy said he kills people. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. So? So, Scape kills... That's... That's against the law. That's really serious. Yeah, escape. You, I can't. I've been trying to to get a big break interview like this, but you, you, you just broke huge news. This guy is a murderer, a mass murderer. It sounds like, and and he's putting dead people in his cat food. We gotta, we gotta investigate this. Who? Yeah, yeah, escape. You gotta tell us who this guy is. We gotta get him arrested. We gotta call the police. Wait, why? What's the big deal? Escape. He kills people. That's very bad. It's killing, killing, murder. But so, I, so I could kill people. No, you couldn't. You're just a cat. Look, okay. It's different when you're an animal, so you see things differently. People, if people kill other people, that's very bad. Well, I don't think it's very bad. That's because you don't understand things. 
Okay. Look, Scape, you've got to tell us who it is. Yeah, look, you have to, absolutely, you have to tell us. Look, at the very least, you tell me who it is, I'll go do another interview, and I'll get the person in Frank, trouble. Frank, no, that's not what this is about. This is about right and wrong. It's about the fact that this guy's killing people. No, I know, I know, of course. But if I'm saying, if, if he doesn't want to expose him, he could tell me who it is, I'll go expose them, and then, you know, I'll, we can, you know, parlay that into whatever. No, it's not about that. Look, Scape, you've got to tell us who it is. I'm not gonna. Scape. No, I have to protect my sources. I have journalists integrity. What? No, Scape, you're not a journalist. You're a cat. Doesn't matter. He he just, he, he went on my show with the understanding that he would not be revealed. But he said then he gave his name. What company does he work for? I mean, we can't let people buy cat food and feed people to their cats. What company is it, Scape? I, mean, I can't tell. I can't reveal. It's journalistic integrity. No, you don't have to have journalistic integrity. I do. I have to. Look, it matters. It's important. How can anyone trust me ever again? You're not going to do another interview. It doesn't matter. Just tell, look, just tell me how to get in touch with the guy. Just tell me how to get in touch with the guy, and I'll take care of it. No, no, sorry, Frank. All right, well, look, Frank, you're going to have another interview next week. If you can figure out how to get in touch with this guy, please do. Well, no, I mean, I've got, I told you I've got an interview scheduled for next week, so I'm not going to... Yeah, gonna... but this guy's a murderer, so... No, but oh, next week, the guy is a, is a supervillain, so... Oh, re really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well... That sounds good, too, but this is important, and this guy's killing people. I don't see what the big deal is. Escape, just uh, go take a nap. Well, fine. All right, we've, uh, we've got one more show left. Uh, this is Epic Echoes, and uh, if you remember, where are we? Oh, um, what we heard in the most recent episodes were uh, the, the build-up to Jimmy Kovacs taking office, and, of course, Jimmy Kovacs used to be a member of the Flashback. Well, at this point, I think we're going to hear the point at which the two paths diverged, so let's give it a little listen, shall we? This is Epic Echoes. series season two episode three press time by jordan d white the press gathered around the flashback who stood in the middle of the stage they'd set up at jimmy's campaign headquarters it was the first of december and there was a lot of confusion left in the united states regarding what exactly had occurred since election day jimmy called this press conference at max's urging to settle things in the eyes of the public just as they had settled things on the larger scale which is how he defeated cthulhu is he dead not exactly, but he's certainly not going to be a threat again. So, does this invalidate the election? Oh, in no way. Randall Marsh was a terrible man, bent on helping destroy humanity as we know it, evil in ways unfathomable to the majority of good people in America. But election tampering was more despicable than even he was willing to sink. Besides, if he was going to rig things, why would he have had me win? The Kovacs America ticket won the election fair and square. You're looking at the next president of the United States of America. The crowd of onlookers behind the press corps erupted into cheers, causing Jimmy's cheeks to glow red. He looked at his shoes and shuffled his feet, embarrassed. Thank you. Thank you all. I want you to know I couldn't have done it on my own. I wouldn't be here right now if it weren't for every one of you who looked inside yourselves and realized that, gosh, we really can change the country. From those who petitioned Congress to write the 56th Amendment, right up to those who decided to back me on Election Day itself, I'll work every day to be worthy of the votes you've given me. 
I also want to thank my amazing campaign manager, Jill Slaughter. You've helped me get on my feet when the campaign was at its lowest points. You're a great girl, even if you were a guy for a while. <laughs> and of course, all the flashback. You guys are the best friends, the best family a boy could have had. Dralis Thornfield, Molly Singh, Sarah Keen, Virtus Fuzzbottom. Thank you. And especially, most of all, Max Thornfield. Max, you've always been there for me, no matter what. You've been my hero ever since I can remember, and I wouldn't be half the man I am today without your guidance. Of course, I'm going to give it my all, but in my mind, you should be the one leading our country. You're the best man I've ever met. Thank you. The crowd burst forth with its adoration again, and this time it was Max's turn to bear the brunt. Jimmy stepped aside, and Max was stranded center stage in front of the microphone. When the onlookers quieted down, he had no choice but to speak. <clears throat> wow. When I began the flashback, I had no idea it would ever become something so... so meaningful to so many people. Even when we authorized the comic books, we never thought... <laughs> well, thank you all. I do have something of an announcement to make. We, the Flashpack, are incredibly proud of Jimmy. He's been with us for such a long time, but now he's got a new job ahead of him. A job he's going to be great at, but... Well, it's a job that doesn't require a Flashpack. Now that the election results are confirmed, we're going to turn over the duty of protecting Jimmy to the Secret Service, where it belongs. Jimmy will always have a place with the Pack, but the pack is going to stick to adventuring and leave politics to the experts. Once our boy takes office, we'll leave him to his business and go back to doing what we do best. Gosh, Max. I don't know how I'll do it without you. Sure you do, Jimmy. It'll be just like when you set the Yahoo Winham piece of cord. You're all alone for that. And of course I won't be alone now. I've got the best running mate of any president ever. The crowd cheered again. Once they settled, the flash pack began bidding their adieus until a final request came from the press. Can you say it? One more time? Max looked at the others, who smiled and nodded. He then looked to Jimmy. Mr. President? The young man straightened his tie, pulled down on his jacket front, and stood up straight. <clears throat> flash pack. Flash pack! The pack spent the next few days riding the high of their success as they helped prepare Jimmy to take office. Jimmy called one of his infamous brainstorming sessions, likely the last of his flashback career, to see what the pack's thoughts were on exactly how one lets freedom ring. I can't believe this is our last Kovacs jam session. I'm really going to miss these. The whole flashback focusing our very different perspectives on one problem? It's a shame. If you're interested, you can always take over calling them for me, Max. In case you haven't noticed, Jimmo, Max's style is different from your variety. He's more the jump-right-in type than the organization type. That's an understatement! A Secret Service agent had been anxiously hovering nearby. He was clearly trying to be polite, but awaiting a chance to intrude. Can I help you, sir? In reply, the agent held out a piece of paper. There's a call for Mr. Thornfield as well. We'll put it through. His radio crackled as he left the room and returned to his station. As Max headed for the phone, Dralis stopped him. Don't leave! This phone call could be important. So could this message! It doesn't seem like a big deal, though it is for the entire flashback. Let me see that. It's signed by the Mistress of the Galaxy. Flashback, it's useless to attempt to radio for help. You are already on a path towards the theater of pain into which you shall be cast. As the director of your fate... This is a threat or an entry in a pun contest. But you did read it very well, Dralis. <laughs> I think I should take this call. 
Go ahead, Max. We can handle this. But, but, whatever. Then she says she's going to kill all of us and enslave humanity, and this could be serious, guys. I doubt any serious threats to mankind make demands for obeisance and candy. Candy? Yeah, right there, see? Guys, we've got to get a move on. What is it, Max? Who's on the phone? It was Tex Mornstar. Of Alter Earth? He needs our help. The Empress has finally gone too far. Then we need to help him. No, Jimmy. You need to stay here. We'll handle this without you. But I... No, you're right. Good luck, Max. Thanks, Jimmy. Virtress, take us back to Alter Earth. But of course, you'd be lost without me as usual. All right, turn around! The pack closed their eyes and turned around. When their eyes opened again, Jimmy and his staff were gone, as was any mention of the young president-elect. They were clearly in the same room of the same building, but instead of seeing evidence of a highly organized political campaign, there were indications of the building having been abandoned for some time. Ooh, it still gives me the creeps. What? Why? The idea that there is another entire society coexisting with us on Earth that literally takes place behind our backs? It's a completely understandable phenomenon. It is perfectly in keeping with the laws of probability. Everyone from Alter Earth is always somewhere behind us and out of sight, just as we're always out of their sight. Oh, I know all that. And it's creepy. We're the lucky ones. At least our version of humanity isn't enslaved under an evil empress. Now let's move. Tex needs us. The flashback followed Max outside and found the Alter Hero waiting for them with his familiar beat-up hover van. Thank you kindly for coming, Flashpack. If what you said is true, Tex, we're needed. And where the flashback is needed, the flashback goes. Yep, it's true. Petra's captured every other member of the contraband, and all set to deal some old-fashioned Texas justice over the vidcast tonight, live from what's left of Shea Stadium. She's going to execute them? Her own friends? Former friends. What can we do, Tex? I don't care if she is my adopted sister. We need to take the little lady out. Call it justice. Call it assassination. Call it coup d'etat. It needs doing. Only problem is she's already got the entire stadium encased in one of them penetrable force fields. I could gobble something together to get us through the field. Not necessary. I can magic us a doorway. Nope, no can do nothing can poke through that thing. Not science, not magic, not them prairie dogs. I tried it all. Nothing doing. There's got to be a way. We can do this. Actually, I was thinking Miss Jill might be able to help. I was thinking we could trek on back to before her rise and put an end to her before she got up the momentum to become Empress. Oh, well, I would love to. Except I can't. I sort of got in trouble. The Time Steppers have said that if she doesn't stop changing history, she'll be considered a threat to the space-time continuity and they'll erase her from existence. But Alyssa was really nice about it. Well, shucks. Momentum. Time travel. Wait! How long do we have until the executions? Coming on here in six hours. We can do this. I've got a plan and it's going to take every single one of us. Come on. Five hours and 47 minutes later, Max could see Empress Petra I standing on a platform in front of the crowds at Shea Stadium, and he knew it was time. Molly had spent the interim souping up Texas hover van for travel in a vacuum, and the preparations were finally complete. We're set, Max, but why are we going into space? Are you ready with those calculations, Keen? Hours ago, and the engines on this heap will never get us up to the speeds we need to- Just feed them into the computer, Keen. Alright, Tex, Slatter, take us back. 
The hover van lurched into the air under Tex's direction, and the flashback recognized the familiar sight of time slipping past them as they flew backwards in time and away from the Earth. What the hell is going on, Max? We're going to build momentum. Molly rigged us for space travel. Now we're heading away from the moment of the execution in both space and time. Once we're far enough away... Are we there, Keen? Almost. Another few centuries, I'd say. But these engines are... Fertress! We're gonna need speed. I need you to propel the ship forward as fast as our level of reality can tolerate. The Catman began paging through his spellbook. I think that can be arranged. What are we going to do? We're gonna smack that crazy D.O.B. clear into next week! Well... Sort of, yeah. What about the force field? So long as we pass through where the force field is at a point in time before it was activated, we'll be fine. And? What about me, Max? Hmm? You said it was going to take all of us. Well, I guess I was off by one. But this is a team effort, and I couldn't have done it without you, Dralis. <sighs> right. We're here. All right. Tex, Slaughter, let's head back. Fertress. Got it! The stars appeared to slow and then revolve around them as the hover van turned back to the place that Earth would be when they left. After a moment, the pack felt the bump of Fertress's magical speed being added to their own. Out the front windows, the stars became nearly a solid wall of white as they flew across their sight. They were blasting through hundreds of miles and years per second. The van silently screamed through time and space faster than almost anyone could comprehend. Except, of course, the fastest pilot in Ultra Texas. Yeah, Here it comes! Hold on to your hankies! For only the slightest fraction of a nanosecond, the flashback could see Earth around them, specifically the interior of Shea Stadium and the crowds of the Empress's onlookers. Petra Morningstar slapped against the windshield, pressed hard against it. Her eyes opened and for a moment met Texas. Break! My pleasure. Tex slammed on the brakes of the van as Slaughter abruptly stopped their time travel. They came to stop mid-space, and the Empress vanished from their windshield. Did it work? I think so. We hit her with all the momentum of both our time and space travel. She'll be flying forward through time far longer than her lifespan could possibly last. For all intents and purposes, she's encased in time. Uh, that's not really accurate, Max. Eh, close enough. Let's all go home, folks. Upon arriving back on Earth, Tex and the pack found that the momentum had carried them a little ways into the future themselves. Alter Earth had already begun forming an interim government to bridge the gap between the Empress's reign and the proposed democracy. A movement had already begun to persuade Tex and the Contraband to become the new world leaders. The flashback bade them well, but happily turned back around to return to their own Earth. Upon doing so, they found themselves in the middle of a large party in Jimmy's headquarters. Max, gang, you're back just in time. Just in time? Three, two, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! And so the Flash Pack began a new year together, one they were destined not to finish whole. Who is the Mistress of the Galaxy? Will Jimmy successfully take office? Will Max and the company be able to make it with him? Come back next episode, Crash and Burn. In this episode of Epic Echoes, Guinevere Eckert was the narrator, Nicholas Roach was Max Thornfield, Angela Tymon was Dralis, Devin White was Molly, Lynn Nelson was Slaughter, Tongwen Wong was Keen, Daniel Schwartz was Jimmy Kovacs, Scape White was Fertress, Elijah Weberhan was Tex Mornstar, and Jacob Thompson was the agent. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Murkowski. Thank you very much, Rory, and that was the final episode uh, of for the evening. All that we have left is your reader mail, of which, as I said, we got quite a bit recently. So, let's see what we've got to read. 
let's start with we have a pair of letters for um scapey scape uh are you still you, you scape wake up wake up what what scape uh we got some email for you oh okay uh first one is a, a sequel to an email from last week it says deal scapey i was very upset to hear your response to my letter but i underst- understand it can never be i should have known our love of moist food would come between us i suppose i will just have to continue to admire you from afar yo biggest fan sassy so scape it seems like sassy has given up on you well good sassy's another cat i hate other cats you heard you heard the interview. Yes, yes, I heard that interview, so yes. Sorry, Sassy. Uh, good to hear you're listening to the show, and I'm, I'm glad you, you like Scapey so much, but he's just not into it. Although, to be fair, in his defense, we did take out his testicles, which might have something to do with it. Dad! Don't say that! It's not It's not a lie. Yeah, but it's not something I want to hear on the radio. We're not on the radio. On the internet, it doesn't matter. Okay, all right. Uh, let's see, we got another one. Actually, we have two more emails. Um, this one is from uh, a character on our show. It says, OMG, Scapey White, that was like the best interview I've ever heard. You are totally the cutest cat in the world, and I would love to give you chicken moist food every day for the rest of your life. You are just so cute. I really, really, really hope Jordan lets you keep doing interviews. You're so much better than that stuffy old Frank Allen. Also, I love you as Bertris in Epic Echoes. You're so cute. You're totally the reason I listen to the podcast. Keep up the awesome work. Love, Pandora Darling. Well, thank you, Pandora Darling. Um, I think you should give me chicken moist food every day for the rest of my life. Thank you. Well, yeah, but she, she can't. She's, she's on the internet writing you an email. Well, then I should go visit her sometime because I want chicken moist food. Okay, but I give you chicken moist food. You got free moist food from this guy, although it was probably person moist food. Well, it tasted like chicken moist food, so... But, well, yeah, but that, okay. Uh, we have another email for you, Scapey. Let's go quick. Frank, do you want to read this one? Sure. Uh, dear Scape, I wanted to let you know that your brain medical tests came in and the results are positive. You are medically stupid because your brain is really, really small. There's no cure or anything, so you're going to be stupid forever. I called a little while ago and talked to your wonderful, beautiful, really strong sister Boo because you weren't there. You were probably out puking or hunting demons or something. Anyway, I wanted to let you know personally. This probably explains why why you think you can talk to birds, or are a good hunter, or can beat a boo, or generally why you think you're awesome. I wish I could give you medication, but I can't, so ha 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 ha, in your face. Sincerely, Dr. Sasquatch. Wow. No, Dad, no. That's not Dr. Sasquatch. How can you tell? Because, Dad, Dr. Sasquatch would never say that because it's not true. That's probably a trick. I bet you Boo Bear wrote that. But she can't write. She's a cat like you. She doesn't have the ability to write. Well, then I bet somebody helped her because that's not, that's not the truth. That's not the truth. I have medically big brain awesome. That's what, that's what Dr. Sasquatch says to me when we're together outside of the house. So that's not true. This letter is falsehood false. Okay. Falsehood false, apparently. Um, let's see what else we got. We actually do have a couple more letters that are linked together uh, thematically. We have two emails from people at the uh, Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, let's hear them. Uh, uh, they're, yeah, they're actually not for you, Rory. I'm sorry? Well, not yeah, No, neither of them is for, is for you. Um, the first one is for Frank, actually. It says, uh, Mr. Allen, although initially drawn to cast and wax by the work of my esteemed colleague, I have been consistently impressed with your work in our field. Your considerable contact with time travelers, extra 
extra-dimensional persons and the like has led me to see that. For all your purported opposition to Mr. Sinjin, you are a man who shares his enthusiasm for the possible. Please forward your resume to me as the first step in your application process for Assistant Communications Director at the Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Study. I look forward to hearing from you soon. Sincerely, Valerie Winthrop, Communications Director, Brooklyn Institute for Extra Historical Study. No, what? No, no. Valerie's offering Frank a job. Well, Rory, you know, apparently, because Frank does the extra historical stuff to some extent. No, I don't. No. I look. Thank you, Miss Winthrop. I do want a job, not with your institute. It's a, it's a bogus institute. All your stuff is lies. Uh, I don't have. I mean, yeah, I've met good Hitler, but okay, I maybe he's from another. But the point is, look, it doesn't matter. I I don't I don't want to do that. That's a lie. It's bogus. What Rory does is a lie and is bogus, and presumably what you do is a lie and bogus as well. So I no. Thank you, but no. Well, that's not really... You're not really thanking her then. No, okay, look, but no is the point. Fine. No. You know, Frank, that's a very important person that you just insulted and spat in the face at. Yeah, but not... She's not important in the business I want to go... Look, it does, she's... Uh, she works for a bogus institution, so I'm really not that worried about it. All right, all right. Uh, we actually, like I said, we did get another um, another email from the Institute as well. Uh, but uh, this one's for me. So, uh, Rory, can you read it to me? Uh, sure, I, I suppose. Oh, it's from Neville. Um, yes, let's see what he says. Dear Mr. White, I am sorry to hear that your co-host Rory Sinjin will probably be going to jail for his illegal money-making schemes. I thought that since this will probably be a very traumatic time for you and for the podcast as a whole, I, as a loyal and devoted listener, would try to help make things easier for you. I would have no problem filling in for Rory as a co-host on Cast and Wax while he is in jail. Thank you, Neville. I have a deep, resonant voice. It has been described as being just that kind of voice by at least one of my friends. It is not fluty at all. Is he implying that? Just, well, just keep reading the letter. It will sound great on the podcast. If not, adjust it to sound better. Also, I am not in any fights right now with Frank Allen, unlike Rory, so there will be less backstage drama on the show. But also, I can pretend to get in a fight with him if that's the kind of thing you like. Additionally, I am not English, therefore I am a better American than Rory, and consequently more patriotic. That's, you know, that's not true. No, I, no, just keep going. Fine. Uh, however, if you like having English co-hosts, I can do a better accent than Rory can. No, this is, this, Neville, just finish the letter, just finish the letter. I can also make stuff up pretty well, oh great. Uh, so I could fill in for this day in history. In fact, I could make up the whole segment instead of copying parts of it from what actually happened in history the way Rory does. For instance, on this day in history, King Václav XXV, the heretic of Zanzibar, forgot to renew his car insurance, so when he got pulled over, he had to pay a fine. So you shouldn't do that. See, I gave a moral, but without plagiarizing history, or without plagiarizing Plagiarizing it, spelled with an S, if you want someone English. So, think it over, Neville Ivans. Well, Neville, thank you for writing. Yeah, I, get, I want to, can I please comment on this first? Well, but it was a letter to me. Thank, uh, Neville, I thought you were my friend, but apparently you're not. Let me just say that I'll never be recommending any clients to you ever again. Uh, if I'm busy, too busy to take them, or they don't have enough money to, to afford my services, I won't be recommending them to you. I will recommend them to Joshua. Thank you very much. And I do plagiarize history. It's my historical training. I use that as a jumping off point. It's not plagiarism. It's what makes it interesting to people. Well, okay. Um, so uh, what I was going to say though, Neville, was that I don't think that we'll need that to happen. Cause I, first of all, I don't, I don't want Rory to go to jail. So I'm not going to make, you know, plans for Rory to go to jail right now. But also, you know, I think, even if he did. Well, no, we're not going to make plans. You just said you're not going to make plans. I'm not, I'm not going to jail, all right? So, you know, that's enough of this. We have uh, one more letter here. It says, uh, Hi, fellows. I need some advice. Often, when I eat, I end up with some bit of food stuck in my teeth. I usually pick it out with a toothpick or my fingernail, but it happens a lot, and it's quite embarrassing. In general, I feel kind of foodie in my mouth, and whenever I absentmindedly run my tongue over my teeth, it feels filmy. My breath also smells pretty bad in the morning. All of this makes me very self-conscious, especially when I'm at work or trying to get a date. 
Could you help? Sincerely, Mouth Conscious in New York. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, you know, and it's not, I mean, I could say in, in another reality, this is not a problem for this person, but it's, I don't think that would help too much. No, I mean, look, we're not advice people, so I don't know why this person's writing in for advice. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, if we had Harry Wilson here, we could. Yeah, but he just, he always gives the same advice. He would just say, brush your teeth, and that doesn't help with anything. So. Oh, that's true. To be fair, that's true. Sorry, uh, mouth conscious. We can't, we don't know what to tell you. Uh, stop paying so much attention to your mouth, I guess, because. It makes you upset. Yeah, that's all. I mean, that's the best we can say. Finally, we've got one final letter. Uh, it says, uh, Dear Jordan, where was this week's Frank Allen interview? I can't live without it. Frank really knows how to conduct an interview. Why would you let a cat do the interview instead of Frank? You might as well give it to that charlatan Rory Sinjin. Hey, now. No, just let me finish the letter. Um, what a con artist. No, this is what Rory, it- settle down. Anyway, uh, uh, charlatan Rory Sinjin, what a con artist. Every episode needs more of Frank Allen. You should never take away his segment. If someone were in charge of hiring moderators, hosts, interviewers, or investigative journalists, he's the kind of guy that person should hire. Sincerely, Hank Fallon. Hank Fallon. Wow, thank you, Hank. Uh, that's very nice of you to say. And uh, I agree with every point you said. Yes, uh, Hank Fallon. That's, that's how I, that name sounds familiar. I feel like I know that guy. Well, you, you probably don't. Cause... Well, I mean, he listens to my podcast, so it's possible. Yeah, but I'm saying probably not, so. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, that's all we have for this week's show. Hopefully everybody digs it. You can hear in the background, as I said, my favorite waxwork theme. Waxwork theme D. Don't ever format. Make sure you come back next week, where we'll have lots more radio serials. But for now, this is Jordan Lee White signing off, and I will be seeing you. Waxwork you know, with so many of our boys overseas, we here at Waxwork.com would like to recommend that all you good citizens out there invest in war bonds. It's the next best thing to joining them out there on the front lines, side by side with our fighting boys. God bless you. God bless America. Waxwork, try her and you'll see. Waxwork, she's cheap and easy. When I'm feeling down, I put her on my laptop and go to town. I never wanted any other mother on the website. Don't ever bother with the drive to keep the baby alive on the facade. On the next episode of Cast and Wax, unlike Mother, Bobby questions the status quo. Andy, I don't want to say anything mean about your mom or anything, but... It's okay. Believe me. Is she crazy? No matter how many times you kids ask that, the answer isn't going to change any. (sighs) On Tractor Fiction, we learn who goes to hell. Who all is in this place? Well, except for the little children and that other group. I've got everybody. The rich and poor, the atheists and the religious, the filthy, and lots of good living people like yourself. Isn't that a surprise? Wow, yeah. And on Decker and Hayes, we return to the toughest private dick in town. Stella Decker. So... Why are you avoiding the fuzz, Mr. Washburn? I'm sorry? Usually when a client comes to me, there's a reason they can't go to the police. Or perhaps the police aren't very affected, though. You didn't hear that from me. All this, plus interviews and historical facts, coming August 25th to Waxwork.com.